So you want to be a real estate investor, but where do you start? How do you know what information and sources to trust? That's where I come in. I'm Johnny Catani, and this is the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. Hey guys, real quick, before we start, go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Now to today's show. What's up guys, and welcome to another episode of the Invest Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Katani, and I'm joined today by Scott Crone. Mr. Crone is a Chicago native whose career in architecture began in 1991 by pursuing his Master of Architecture from the Illinois State Institute of Technology. While obtaining his degree, he also worked as a project manager for Optima, Inc. During his time at Optima, Crone's responsibilities included such notable projects as the 400-unit Cormondale in Deerfield, Illinois, the 40-unit Hedrow in Winnetka, Illinois, and the 51-unit Optima Center Wilmette in Wilmette, Illinois. 2012, Crone founded Coda Management Group, a firm who specialized in managing real estate assets. Since its inception, Coda has managed a wide range of real estate, including multifamily homes, retail, commercial warehouse, multi-use flex, athletic spaces, and self-storage. Currently, the platform investments is in excess of $70 million, consisting of self-storage assets. In 2020, Crone Co. founded One Stop Self-Storage with facilities across the Midwest. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Very excited to chat today. Um, I've said it a ton on this podcast, but self-storage is my favorite. And uh, here we are kind of, as I mentioned, off-camera. Multifamily is slowing down a bit, at least um, from what I've seen in some of the groups that listed I'm on, but you mentioned you're still going strong. But before we jump into that, kind of take us back to the beginning. We alluded to it here. You got a degree in architecture. Uh, are you still in architecture and, and what led you uh, to real estate? Well, I, I got into it because we had a family business and I was in college and the family business was die casting. And my parents showed up for parents weekend my senior year and, and asked me what I thought I was going to be doing, you know, come next spring. And I, you know, I thought I'd have to go into the family business being the, you know, the oldest person and the only one who would really express interest in it. And um, they told me that that was not going to happen that, um, you know, and at first I was like, man, did I piss off grandpa or, you know, like what happened? <laughs> and, um, you know, they told me they were selling the business, which really, you know, just rocked my world because it, for 21 years, that's all I knew was that family business. And um, my parents suggested I get into, you know, begin pursuing my architecture again. I, I did it in high school, but because uh, I wanted to do more than just architecture in college, I wanted to pursue sports as well. Um, I thought I'd close that door, but there was new programs that allowed people with non-bachelor's degrees in architecture to get a master's in architecture. And that's how I began doing it. So I had a month off from school. And I uh, got went, enrolled right into my graduate program. And shortly thereafter, I got connected with a professor who was a developer, an architect, and a contractor. And that's, I was his TA. And so since I was the only one who could read and write in the program, uh, because of my undergraduate and non-architecture, uh, he put me on the development side. And so I got to work on it during class on the architectural side. And then when I was not in class, I was working in his office on the development side. So that's where I really learned the ins and outs of development over that course, that six years. Wow, that's awesome. And so have you been doing development since? I know development, especially now, is, is really big if you're willing to take on that risk. But have you always uh, been in development? 
always since, you know, since I started um, in 91 and, and learned development. And when we started Coda in 98, um, development has always been the, the backbone of what we've been doing. And so it's just this year was the first time we bought an asset where we didn't really have to do any construction. I mean, we're putting up a um, entry code ga access and a, an electronic gate, but that's about it. I mean, that's the, the smallest amount of construction that we've ever done. So that was our first facility, but everything else we look to either develop new self-storage or to expand self-storage or, you know, look to see how we can improve it. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and especially, you know, on the development side, a uh, lot of great yield, obviously for investors, for you guys as well. What are some things you guys, uh, you obviously focus on the Midwest. What are um, some things you guys look for when you're going in and, and looking for areas to develop? Well, there, there's a few things. First thing we, we always focus on is the demographics. Is the, is the market expanding? Does it have strong demographics in terms of population, in terms of uh, growth? And um, also what's the relationship with saturation of how much self-storage is already there? So we're looking for these pockets that are underserved. We always like underserved markets um, that we can go in and capture that. Um, and then the next thing we always look for is what's the zoning. Um, you know, we're, we're doing one in Michigan right now. We're, we're in the process of rezoning it. We've uh, gotten it rezoned to commercial. Now we just have to get the special use for self-storage. And so that hearing is happening this week, actually in the next day or two. Um, but then we're, you know, we're, we're working on another facility in Ohio which is already zoned for it. And so, you know, we can just come in and we have, we can submit for permits and uh, begin developing. So that's, those are the things we look for. Awesome. And what's that process like to get it rezoned? Is it pretty complicated? Uh, I, I wouldn't say complicated, but I think the, the better question is what's the motivation of the local municipality? I mean, we've done three that have taken a, a total of two months. And that was because they have to do notices and then schedule a meeting and then schedule the next meeting. So the minimum amount of time as possible was uh, two months. Um, and that's pretty uncommon. But a lot of times, um, the more um, challenged the, the, the municipality is in terms of looking to spur growth and spur development, then the more likely they're going to approve whatever you're asking for. If, if everything is gangbusters and they don't feel that there's a need, um, then you won't get it approved. And so we've always looked for, you know, municipalities that are receptive to it. We've worked in municipalities that have been utterly opposed to what we're doing, but the properties were zoned for it. And, you know, they still tried to stop what we were doing. And we're like, if you didn't want this, then why did you have it zoned this way? You know, it's zoned. You told us, you've published, you recorded that this is an allowable use. We're doing what is in your own zoning. So, you know, how are you criticizing us for doing what you've said that you wanted? Fascinating. And what are some, do they ever give a reason? Or I'm always curious about the red <laughs> tape some of these municipalities throw up because in one breath, they're always saying like, oh yes, we, you know, we're trying to put all this infrastructure in and, 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 and help the growth. But then in the next breath, you know, they're the ones throwing up the red tape. I'd say, Jonathan, not everyone shares your enthusiasm for self-storage. So, you know, the, the common thing that we hear is we don't mind self-storage, but not in our town. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what's good for them is not good for you. But, you know, what they don't understand or maybe they, what they don't appreciate is that when you have multifamily development, when you have a lot of residential or you have businesses, 
businesses and people both utilize it equally. Like 50% of our customer base are businesses. So if you're looking to spur business, then give them an opportunity to store inventory at a much cheaper price point when they don't need a whole building. They only need you know, 200 square feet or 100 square feet. And it makes it more economical for smaller businesses. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that approach. So um, as we kind of mentioned, you guys are not slowing down um, despite you know, some changes in the economic landscape. Talk about some of the development deals you're working on now and um, you know, is investor sentiment changing at all or are people still uh, very much on board? Well, I, I think everyone is, is aware uh, investor sentiment is, is certainly changing in the sense that um, I think people, more and more people are becoming attuned to what's happening in the, in the current marketplace. Um, for the last four months, I've been predicting a recession. Um, you know, and it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent. And obviously, we're seeing greater um, pressure in the marketplace in terms of having to perform and, and just in, in keeping up with inflation. So there's this upward pressure in terms of, you know, if we used to have, I'm just making up a number, a 15 or 20% yield, and then, you know, in the interest rates were three or 4%, that's a good rate of return. But now if interest rates are like seven or 8%, that 15% is just you know, it's not as strong as what it was. And so, you know, investors are, you know, making sure that the investments are good because of the fact that there's this upward pressure on the interest rates. And when you see the interest rates higher than the cap rates, that's always something to be, you know, cognizant and aware of. So, you know, the, the sentiment there is, uh, I wouldn't say altering, but it is, there is a level of awareness that is rising. There's alertness there, which I think is appropriate and good. Um, you know, for me, I'm multifamily. I, I got out of multifamily back in 17 because I thought we were at the peak then. And now it's just starting to turn five years later. So, you know, I missed it by five years, but I'd rather be on the front side than on the back side because the back side usually falls off a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And it is tough, right? I mean, there's people who get paid, you know, have PhDs from MIT who try to predict this stuff and even they can't get it right. So, um, it, it is hard to see, but it, it was obviously very clear and is very clear now that, that that's where we're headed. So one thing I do have to ask, you're wearing a Louisville hat. You're an Illinois guy. So kind of talk about, uh, you know, why, why that is, why you're wearing well, we, it. Thanks for asking. We, we like to support our, the uh, local schools or um, uh, minor league baseball teams near our facilities. So this is the University of Louisville. And um, we also have, a, I also have a Louisville bat. Um, which I think is a great name for that team, but we're developing a new facility just uh, a couple blocks from the Louisville stadium. So it's, it's actually halfway between the bats and, and the university. So, you know, shout out to both programs there. Awesome. I love that. In our college towns, is that a place where you guys will typically look in terms of kind of fitting all those economic needs that you have? Uh, it, 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 we don't specifically say, Hey, you know, it has to have a university in it, but it just so happens like um, Milwaukee has Marquette right next to it. Um, our Dayton is um, the University of Dayton. We have University of Toledo in our Toledo facility, um, University of Louisville near our Louisville one. Um, so in each of those cases, there, there typically is a university close by. Um, you know, our one in Michigan, you know, the closest ones are uh, Eastern Michigan and University of Michigan, but they're, they're still like an hour away. So um, not as close as we'd like, but the demographics were still very strong. That's why we bought that facility. Awesome. I love it. And 
I assume that college students are not nearly as rough. Student student housing is definitely a tough asset class because you're dealing with you know young kids. They're hard on stuff. What are they like in terms of um, you know tenants essentially for self storage? Well, they're not as sticky. You know, I mean, they have a, a definitive in and out date. You know, when school starts and when school ends. So you know, there is a they're not as sticky as our other tenants, which you know we'd like to see them last more than three months. Um, but that's, you know, that's the cycle of where they are. But, you know, they, they, during that period of time, they don't really do anything because they're not there, right? <laughs> they go home, they come back one time and then they take their stuff. So they're, they're a little bit easier. Yeah, that, that makes sense for sure. And so how do you guys, what is that like in terms of kind of filling in that gap? Well, again, that's where we market to businesses and, and residents. That's our main focus. Um, but if we can... I mean, we always look to help people. That's our main objective within one-stop self-storage is to solve people's challenges. And ultimately, that's why everyone is picking self-storage. You know, it's not like they're going to say, hey, I really got to go have a self-storage unit today. But they're addressing a challenge in their life where they need to overcome something. And self-storage offers them a temporary solution to a problem. And so that temporary solution might be two months like a student or it might be two or three years until they, you know, save up enough money or you make enough money that you get a bigger apartment, whatever it may be. Um, but self-storage is always trying to address a challenge that people are facing. And that's what we train our staff to do is to work with our clients to make sure that we're solving their, their needs. Absolutely. I love that. And, and kind of along those lines with the staff, are all of yours, do you have someone on site at all times with all of yours? Is there a mix between some automation? What, what do you guys typically go for there on the management side? Our bigger class A facilities, we have someone on site um, just because of the fact that there's so much more variation and options within our product type. But our new facilities, which are smaller, um, we're, we're automating them that it's all done online. That's awesome. And I'm sure there's a lot of really great software out there for that, you know, as you kind of develop it. And so are you guys having issues as you're developing, you know, are you bringing in supplies wholesale? since you've been on the development for so long, or is there a bit of a struggle still with, you know, locking in um, pricing for, for supplies? You mean in terms of boxes and packing tape and that sort of thing? No, just things. No, like actually building the facilities. Like the Oh, the challenge of actually that. building. Yeah. I mean, the biggest challenge that we're having there is um, the constant fluctuation in pricing. I mean, the, the pricing is, is good for a short term, um, you know, and, you know, in some cases we've seen prices go up 50%, you know, so it's just, but with the recessionary market, I think that that's all going to come back down. I mean, the one thing I really don't get within the whole marketplace is that this labor shortage, you know, it's like, it's not like we all of a sudden had more people, you know, or more jobs than people. I mean, when the pandemic hit, we had X number of people and we had X number of jobs and maybe some of those jobs changed, but then you should have people wanting to go back into the workforce, but it doesn't seem like as many people are going back into the workforce. Um, but I, that's, a, that's a, a statistic that I don't understand, but I think as recessionary markets hit and, and um, there's more pressure to actually um, not have the, the programs from the government to help us out, more people are gonna be wanting to go back to work. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, unless they, you know, took the time to develop a new skill or go back to school or something like that, they're going to have to go, you know, kind of back to those trades. 
and into those, um, you know, kind of manual labor markets. So it will be interesting to pay attention to that as we move forward for sure. But ours are, ours are not even manual labor. I mean, the work, our construction site has always, we've, we've employed not one of our job sites shut down during construction, during the, during COVID. Okay. And we didn't, we didn't develop one incidence of COVID on any of our job sites. People got COVID and said, hey, I can't come. And we just said, fine, when you're better, come back. But we, we had four job sites all running. So we kept all the construction going during that period of time. But I'm also talking about like sales staff. I'm talking about, you know, like those sorts of jobs, which is not manual labor. Um, you know, the only difference I think on the construction side is that we see a lot of people that are first generation um, here in the country. And, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an easy way into the American dream because if you can, if you're a skilled tradesperson, you can make a good living, to, you know, in construction. Um, but whatever happens between first generation and second generation, it's the second generation that goes off to college and doesn't want to go into the trades. That's, that's what we've been seeing in my 30 years of construction. Interesting. Yeah. That's a very fascinating uh, observation for sure. And so do you see, you mentioned that you think more people will go back into the skilled labor though. I, I think so because you, you can make good money doing it. You know, it's, there's plenty of jobs, but you know, if, what we're also seeing is that there's a time now that we're people are just inf inflating the price because they know that they can. And when there's not that ability to just inflate the price and you know, it's got to equal out, it's got to balance itself out. I mean, people are going to, we're already seeing clients in non, we, we develop and build in non self storage as well. And we're seeing people pull back because there's just like, I'm just going to wait until the prices normalize. Everyone's re recognizing that the prices are high right now. Yeah, absolutely. Things are definitely inflated. Um, and, and it will be interesting to, as we move forward to see what, where the give is the kind of the give and take it and when it plateaus and, and what starts to fall first. Um, certainly, especially on the construction side, because, you know, right now, that's, that's what a lot of uh, that's what's happening a lot in commercial real estate is the development a lot, a lot more people getting into that. Cause that's where that, that yield is, you know, especially six, eight months ago, there was, I think a bigger push into development. Did you kind of see the same thing? Absolutely. But I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to see what this administration was going to do because part of it was that, you know, they were talking about taking 1031s off the tax, off the, you know, the tax records. And then they were also talking about penalizing the IRAs that were invested in real estate. You know, it, if you do those two things, development stops. I mean, those are the major investment. I mean, there's billions and billions of dollars invested in just those two vehicles. And if the government had taken those away, it would have just killed development. Now, the only thing that's impacting development is how much the interest rates are going to go up and how much they push it. So, if it, you know, that's when we'll begin. To, I think we'll begin seeing a slowdown in development is when the interest rates begin to really creep up. Do you see that continuing forward for for the meantime? I do. I mean, what, what they don't, they don't quantitative easy. What, you know, what, what they, they can't keep printing money. So the only way that they can try to pull this thing back is raise the inflation to, to stop the, the massive inflation going on. Um, and so, you know, they're not really implementing too many other techniques in order to, um, you know, address the recessionary market. Yeah, I, I completely agree as in they're really not doing anything else at all. So what, um, 
you know, you guys are obviously developing, uh, obviously, you know, class A, you do a lot of uh, um, repurposing, you know, old like big box stores. What does the future look like for you guys? Are you going to start packaging these together, selling them to REITs? Have you already started doing that? You know, what does it look like moving forward for you and your team? Yeah, the, the, the concept from the beginning was always to develop a portfolio of these assets and package them as a, as a cluster to REITs. But we're also working with a, a self-storage mastermind that can, you know, we're at eight facilities right now. And, um, you know, we're, you have more on the board, so call it 10 or 12. But we have other groups that we can work with that we can easily put together 20 facilities. And so that would be nice for a mid-level REIT to come in and, and take over the whole, the whole package. That's awesome. Is that the, is that Scott Myers? Uh, it is awesome. Yeah. I will be out for the Academy in Orlando in uh, next month. Well, about three weeks from now. I'm not sure if you're going out there. Probably I don't not, go, but I don't go to the Academy. It, this is just a mastermind of, of operators who already own facilities. Uh, okay. Okay. That's right. Yeah. They have like the two tiers, right. And then uh, Scott Lewis kind of leads this one, right. That you're a part of from uh, uh, Spartan. Yes, Scott Lewis, Scott Myers, and myself are, I mean, the, Scott Lewis and Scott Myers are the two main core, but then they've asked me to come in and also help in terms of leadership and transformation and stuff like that. So that's where, my, where I add value to them. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, it seems like a great group, um, really kind of the group for self-storage. So I'm really looking forward to the academy and kind of really getting in and, and forwarding my knowledge and then um, you know, hopefully, um, getting into a deal. I've got, got some capital that's, that's ready to go for sure. So definitely looking forward to, to getting a deal done. Um, as we kind of wind down here though, I do have five questions. I asked all of my guests, it's the final five. Um, so we'll jump to those first question, best advice you've gotten from a mentor. Well, I've, I've had two main mentors in my life. The first one was my professor. And the second one is a gentleman, um, his name is Dr. Nito Cobain, and uh, he's really helped me grow my business from, let's just say, a niche, small market company that was deal to deal, and then looking to how to grow that company beyond. And the, what he gave me was, are you selling yourself or are you selling your business? So it was like focusing on creating a product and changing that product that is something that I can sell at a later point in time, as opposed to always relying upon the next deal. And, and that's what most developers are always doing. They're always going from one deal to the next, as opposed to building a portfolio or building a business that can be, can be sold. Wow, that's fascinating. Very, very interesting there. Uh, what is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling your why? Well, it, it's, I can do both. I get to do the creativity side, but then there's also the, the building side. And I think it's fun to see the two come together. Um, you know, and... When we're working, so we have summer interns um, right now, and I'm telling them like everything that you're doing has elements of design in it. It doesn't matter if you're working on a spreadsheet or you know whatever else you're doing. How you present your ideas is design, and so I don't think what a lot of people focus on is the actually how design implements the success of what they're doing. And I was just having this conversation with our web designer. I'm like, look, you know, some of these graphics are out of proportion, you know, the colors are not right. And these are all design elements, which then have, you know, reflect your message. And I think those are things that are important. So for me, the why is I get to have the creativity, but I also get to do the, you know, there's also the financial creativity. So I get to do both. Awesome. I love that so much. Uh, favorite non-real estate or investment related book? 
Uh, a good one. Um, well, I'm, there's two, I, I'm blanking on the title right now. I'm in the middle of reading it. Um, it, it the one is The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Crone or Cron. I don't know how it's pronounced, um, but it's about the Enneagram and it teaches you about yourself and others. And um, it's really done wonders in our office because everybody uh, goes through it. And then we can better understand how people um, make the decisions that they do and how to communicate so that they can effectively hear you. Um, so I've learned how to change my communication style based upon uh, what other people's Enneagram type is. Um, and the other one is, um, I can't, I wish I could recall it, but I'll, I'll send it to you and perhaps you can put it in the notes, but it's a great book about um, understanding your true self and, and coming back to that place of your true self, as opposed to the false selves that we put up in order to uh, present things to you know, society in, in the, in, in the world in order to, you know, protect ourselves. But in reality, it's a false self. Wow. I love that. Sounds like you're really, anything particular that triggered focusing so much on, on your inner self? Well, I, I'm, I began a two-year program of leadership and transformation. And in order to be an effective leader, you first have to look at yourself. And so that's what the, the program begins with. And, um, and there's, there's long periods of times where, you know, we have silence and solitude almost uh, on every single retreat. So I, I leave Saturday or Sunday afternoon and, we, and I get to work on Tuesday afternoon and we'll spend, you know, from Sunday night to sun, uh, Monday morning in solitude. And then um, all Monday afternoon is in silence and solitude as well. So it gives you a lot of time to reflect and unplug and just really focus on, on what we're trying to accomplish during that retreat. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> Flying's an easy one, right? Yes. I mean, that's mine for sure. <laughs> that's the, that's the coolest one. Um, maybe a rewind button. <laughs> you know, Ooh, like, nice. You know, I'm like, I wish I could do that differently. Right. Absolutely. Now that I see it, you know, I think that that would be the, a good one is a rewind button. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Cool. Uh, last one. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you and learn more? Well, I appreciate it, Jonathan. So if do people do reach out and they uh, mention this show, we, we would like to give them a couple different tools on self-storage. One is a feasibility study of why we chose to do our project in Dayton, Ohio. And another one's a, a self-storage analyzing tool. And so it has all of the formulas already built into it. You can just put your assumptions and it will tell you if it's a good or deal or a bad deal. And so we will send both those out, but you can get hold of us at info at coda c-o-d-a-m-g.com that's info at coda mg.com awesome we will link that in the show notes scott i can't thank you enough for coming on this has been awesome i appreciate it thanks for having me absolutely thanks so much for listening to today's episode listen guys i know it's cliche but please don't forget to like subscribe please leave a review would love to know what you guys think of the episodes and while you're here still listening, don't forget to go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Thanks so much.